Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Andy, off-season, part one of our Evergreen series. You ready to dive into an Evergreen podcast? Deep Dive goes green. Are we going green? We're going green. This Evergreen. Is a solar powered podcast. Doesn't matter when you put this one on. You can put this one on today, tomorrow, this weekend. Yeah. This summer. Doesn't did you matter. get any did you get any shit? I mean, uh, so we are recording this on a Tuesday, which is different from our normal Monday, which is different from our Sunday during the season. And I swear to God, if we missed a podcast on a Sunday night, You'd get DMs. I'd get DMs. We'd have messages. Yes. NFL's yes. over. Nobody cares anymore. Like I didn't yeah, get any. Yeah. Did you get any? Did anybody say anything? No, no. I think no. they just figured. Oh, maybe they took the week off. Who knows? We yeah, don't care. Who knows? Who they're, knows? they're not feeding us any NFL openers. Yeah, exactly. No, no. If we were, if it was even more than just if we didn't have it up when we were expected to have it up. If it was off by like half an hour, like our normal recording time, well, we we're like, when is it upload? When is it going to be uploaded? I'm like. Jesus Christ. Where's the podcast? Um, but that's to say, in a roundabout way, we appreciate you. that Thank you guys uh, are such uh, you know such strong, loyal contingent that you are so interested in this content. Um, I have gotten a lot of notes recently, though, people who have kind of um, been you know appreciative of the NFL work we did this season and who have kind of specifically reached out for like you know, I want to get more interested in this. Please give me some books to read. Please give me some pod, you know, some podcast recommendations, some, some blogs, like what can I, where can I find more information on this stuff? And I will always answer those questions. I know it. Yeah. I will always answer those questions. I, I'm going to have to have a few people write me some fucking checks. Because <laughs> yes. I've, I've oh had, some, oh my God. Uh, We're keeping uh, the, the logic uh, of sports betting on the top, in the top yeah, 10. I've, I've recommended that to, I, I know I, yeah. at least three people who, who can confirm have physically bought that after <laughs> I've, I've told them. Um, I, I think that's true. Um, I've had a lot of questions about like coding and, and doing anything towards, you know, just getting better at working with some of the numbers mm-hmm. know, wherever you're using. So, I've probably sold a few copies of Andrew Mack's um, statistics. I don't know the exact name. I was just go the find betting it. in Excel. Yeah, yeah, it's like statistical sports modeling in Excel. I've sold a few copies of that. The, I mean, Pinnacle. We've given I've, yeah, I've the always, Pinnacle blogs and I'm pods always are pushing always, into them, so. always solid. Yeah, anybody. And I will, I will say, like, you're welcome. But you know, gosh, also thank you because those are good. Those are yeah, good really. It's nice yeah. to have good resources to recommend. So it is. It's really nice. It's really nice. And uh, you should write a blog at some point about uh, your kind of your experience in the uh, diving into the world of coding. Um, oh, I would read that. It's fun. Um, it's a lot of it's. It's fun because every time you turn a corner, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to be able to do this. And then you get to the next step and be like, Jesus Christ, they don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. No, no, like, it's it's so it's much, it's so uh, what's the Dunning Kruger curve where you you yes. re- cr- come crashing down to you realize, you know, nothing uh, once you get over that threshold. Like, oh, they, everyone goes through that as they learn coding. Um, you think you're a master of Excel and you realize the limitations of Excel at some point and you're like in deep, deep trouble. Um, <clears throat> So, yeah, and in fact, you know, speaking of our blogging, you know, our blogging careers, uh, yeah, we have some good stuff. We have some cool uh, content up there. If you want to know about betting with Bitcoin, I have a cool article on that. Uh, Philosophy of tennis modeling is up on our deep dive 
media.co, uh, our repository for all things blog. Um, and uh, you can read some some good tennis tips while you're there. With that, let's dive into this evergreen pod today. Are you ready? Ready to get uh, ready to get full on nerd tastic today? Yes. Did you get this, your? This this goes along with what we just said. I have gotten, and I've gotten random questions about this sort of stuff too. And I think this is this is something that is going to be a good foundation for anybody who's starting to take things a little more seriously. Absolutely, a great way to set that up. Uh, you get your homeroom glasses. You get to pull oh, out your homeroom glasses, put them I on, my glasses. because we are going. We are going back to school today. Uh, part one in our evergreen series this off season, we are going to give you a little bit of a, uh, and, and granted, if you are relatively experienced in this space, um, hopefully we do not bore you. Uh, there are other great podcasts out there <laughs> because this, this will feel old hat or listen to it um, and correct us. Cause we're not, that's possible too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And ac- yeah, and actually, yeah, when we get to the very end of this podcast, uh, there for sure are people who are experts in the space that don't 100% agree on how you calculate these things. Um, but yeah, today, speaking of, today's uh, podcast topic, theme, title, whatever you want to call it, 101, betting math, 101. So basically, the principles and that are important to kind of revisit that are math-related that will absolutely help you in sports betting. Some of these specifically... Um, are kind of the cornerstones of my understanding, my growth as a sports better. Um, I'm a math heavy guy anyway. I deal with math day in, day out. Um, much stronger math than I was in English um, all throughout my life. But specifically, you know, there are math topics, math, um, you know, math specific ideas that will absolutely change your, uh, you know, the way that you approach sports betting. And would you say these are like watershed moments for a sports better? Once you kind of break through and you realize like how to convert a you know a price to a probability, how to convert uh, you know you know what you're trying to ca- calculate you know the value you earned on a bet in terms of a win percentage. Like these are watershed um, ideas and topics, right, Andy? Yeah, and not only you know just figuring some of that out, but like we were just talking about, if you do start to get into, you know, less betting on, I'm, I'm betting on the Sixers tonight because, because I think they're a better team. Like what, once you actually start quantifying an edge and looking at, you know, maybe some numbers, waiting some, waiting some stats and building out a model, however you do it, <clears throat> you're going to end up with, I mean, you're going to end up with a number at the end. However you do it, there's a million ways to do it but you're going to end up with probably a win percentage or a, you know, some sort of maybe a spread number and you, you need ways to compare it. And if you can't be, if you, you know, if you can't be uh, comparing it to the actual odds of the sports book, you want to bet it at, it's really hard to tell if you actually do have an edge. So once you start being able to do some of this math, it's going to be things are going to be a lot easier as far as that goes. And you're going to be able to quantify an edge, decide how you should bet. If you should bet, if you're on the right side or, if she should just be passing on some of these. So it was kind of a watershed, you know, like we always say tons of networking opportunities we've had over the past few years and many smarter people than us have helped us along. Like you said, I mean, you do plenty of math. I've always been decent at math in my studies, but some of this stuff isn't everyday, 
you know, you don't go to school and learn how to convert uh, money lines to spreads. <laughs> that would be, I would, definitely don't. I would take that class. That's a good class, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, it is. It is going to be super important stuff if you're just starting to turn that corner and getting into the you know quantitative modeling on some of these. Mm, okay, uh, I agreed 100. And I I would even go a step further and say if you cannot quantify your edge, if you if you cannot embrace the basics of math as it relates to sports betting, then you will not be a long-term winner. I mean, seriously. Do you disagree this, with that? In this classroom, you are, you're Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> this is... <laughs> not the first time I've been... Actually, it is the first time I've been Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, but no, do you disagree with that? that? I mean, like, honestly, like, if you do not embrace uh, the math part of sports betting, you will not be a long-term winner. Rufus Peabody said that on a podcast a long time ago. Not a long time ago. It seems like a long time ago to me. But I think it was just him on him and Jeff Ma on their podcast. And this was a few years ago. And I remember scoffing at it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I no, I and I agree with you. I agree with him. Completely turned the page on that. You, I don't think you can win long term just eye modeling stuff or, you know. I, I played the game. I know the game. I coached the game, you know, green lumber fallacy, what have you. I don't, I don't think you can do it. I think you definitely needs, at least need to, you know, incorporate part of how you handicap with some sort of analytical modeling. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, heavy duty lift. I'm not saying that if you're not using a model, if you're not using an analytical model, if you're not able to scrape data, you can't win in sports betting. I'm simply saying if you cannot embrace the basic principles as it relates to math around this stuff, the stuff we're going to cover today, the 101, then forget about it. Um, and so I guess let's start with, you know, the very basics. This is, yeah, this is very basics. Just like what? you can't do anything else without this. You need, you need this. Yeah. Every American. Okay. This is coming from the, um, this is coming from the experience of a person who uh, grew up betting spreads on the NFL as, as related to getting started betting sports. I was entirely indoctrinated into, Oh yeah. Okay. Spread betting. I get this. This team has to win by that many points. No problem. Like they're going to win because they're better. Right. You know, like there three points is not enough. Three points is too many. Right. Like that, those kind of decision makings, I think, is are how the predominant kind of, you know, initial experience you get involved in this, uh, you know, this space. Uh, but what comes along with that three points, obviously, is the price. And the price is the important part. And for the most part, we live in this world where. Um, you know, the lines that are predominantly evaluated, the stuff that we spend most of our time, uh, you know, combing over are lined around minus 110. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? What's minus 110 mean? (laughs) What the hell does that mean? Exactly. And Um, everybody, you know, everyone's so comfortable with it. Well, you know, most people think you've asked, uh, you know, someone newer to the sports bank. So I got to bet 110 to win 100, which is a topic for a whole different day. Because if you look at how Americans bet sports and how Europeans bet sports, it's so much different. You know, if it was minus 110 here, 
and the exact same odds in European, which is you know minus or one point nine oh nine. I'd say mostly a great majority of us here would bet the hundred and ten to win a hundred, where a big majority of people in Europe would bet a hundred to win ninety ninety. And I don't know, it's a psychology thing, I think. I haven't quite figured out like the what what makes us tick on that, but that is that's kind of what I see from you know I, I talked to a bunch of people who from Europe who bet and it's it's flat betting over there and I think the fact that the way the odds are is what makes it happen but yeah the uh, minus 110 it's just an implied probability okay I guess uh, we need to do a better job of defining this if we really are going to act like we're teaching people the minus 110 is a break-even probability in yes. another language right Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it simply states that, uh, you know, this price that you're paying, um, reflects a prob- a percent, a win percentage that you need to be, um, you need to be able to hit in order to long-term break even. And, yeah. pres- and it has, it has two components. It has the actual implied probability plus the fig. And for the most part, in these markets where you have minus one ten on both sides, the vig is you know more or less evenly distributed between uh, between the two sides. And so something like you know minus one ten, which you pretty deftly converted there to one point nine oh nine oh nine, repeating is uh, is what break even probability. Oh gosh, I don't even know if I know it off the top of my head. There's there's a math problem to to do that. It's one divided by it's the reciprocal of that, which is fifty two point three. I'm just kidding. What not knowing fifty two point three. Okay. Well, I wanted so the basically, full. I wanted the full one. Fifty two point three eight. Fifty two point three eight percent. Fifty two point three eight percent. So if you are betting any um, any position in a sports market and you are paying. Minus 110 in U.S. odds, which is the equivalent to 1.909 in EU odds. You need to be hitting 52.3% of your wagers correctly long term in order to be profitable. Or not even to be profitable, but to not lose. <laughs> right? If you expect to be a not anything but a long-term loser, you need to be hitting 52.3% of those correctly. Well... That's not easy because the market is telling you that there is a 50% chance that your side is correct because 2.3% of that break-even probability is the vigorish. Yeah. And that's that's where the rub comes in where most people, you know, and and maybe this is a good time to kind of go over that, like the, the myth of someone who, you know, oh, they're so bad, I'm just going to fade them. Like, you know, most losing bettors aren't losing bettors because they're so terrible that you could actually fade them and win money. They're losing bettors because they fall in between that, you know, 48, 52%. Where yeah. if, if, you, if you stay in that 48 to 52%, which is essentially, you know, just coin flip, you, you'll just lose money really, really, really slowly to the vague. And that is where a lot of people who do lose money at this, they, they're in there. 
that's where, you know, you can't win betting them. You can't win, win betting against them. It's just they're stuck in that in that spot. And I think a really big part of the distribution of people who bet end up in there. And But, I mean, it's better than being lower. You know, you Even do, more than that, let's think let's do a thought experiment. If you flip a coin 100 times, you made 100 bets this season in the NFL. Oh, yeah. If you flip a coin 100 times, is it possible you could hit, you know, 53, 54, 55 heads? Oh, yeah. Sure. Could you hit 45? Sure. Certainly. There, there, if, you're, if you are betting into it with a 50-50 uh, probability and you're betting into that market, yeah, you can have realizations over a sample size of 100 that reflect an, you know, a, a, a results-based, uh, you know, looking back and see, hey, I have skill at this. I hit my 52.3% that I needed to, to break even. And I, in fact, I did better, right? But for sure, uh, you know, you could be looking at, um, you know, the results of small sample size bias, uh, good or bad. And I think that goes to your point about fading people too. And that's pretty smart. Uh, you know, there is a distribution here that will fall around 50, 50, uh, overall, any small sample size. And, uh, you know, if you have somebody who's getting 40% through a hundred bets, like, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean they weren't, you know, that they aren't just, you know, the, the 50, 50 better that's at the tail end of variance and it's not profitable to long-term fade. So I think that's a very valid point and we're keeping in mind. Um, the other kind of, basics here about this concept that i wanted to touch on um it's pretty important to be able to do all these conversions pretty nimbly you do not want to get bogged down in this stuff or you do not want to be like ah i get it i've thought about this let's move on i think it's pretty important to be able to make some of these conversions in your head some of these conversions uh, obviously, you can code them into an Excel sheet. Some of these conversions, obviously, you can code them into whatever software platform you're using for this stuff to build a model, to evaluate odds, whatever. But uh, converting US odds to EU odds is hugely important. I think especially if you're playing gonna, in gonna, a call, I'm going to call them decimal odds. Decimal odds, great. That's, That's what great. I like. American odds, decimal odds, that is a perfectly normal. That's perfectly good uh, nomenclature for me. Yeah. Full full sidebar. We're not even going to talk about fractions. No, I mean, fractional odds. Kiss, kiss my ass, England. Insane. Like, what are you thinking? And and it's funny because the, the people that bet into those, they're perfectly comfortable with them because they've been using them forever. But boy, my mind has almost completely converted over to decimal odds. I don't even know what it would take. It would take a decade for me to move over to fractions. And fractions. Uh, I think not, it's not possible. Line. No, it's not, not possible. possible. Not possible. Horse racing, maybe you have to get there if you were into horse racing, I guess. I don't know. But I, I will never I will never be able to get fractions into my my brain. I'm too old. Dog too old dog new do, do tricks at this point. Um, the uh, converting uh, US to decimal though is hugely important. And uh, for them for half of the odds out there, it's freaking easy. You can do it in your head, people. For half of them. <laughs> and that half is anything with plus. Okay, so let's say we're betting money lines in baseball and we're evaluating underdogs. And we want to know what is the break-even probability of a team that's plus 136? Is that hard? No. Let's convert if, plus 136 to if, decimal. How do I do it? If they're plus money, it is just the best. Because it's the best. All the, 
all you have to do, and I mean, technically, you do, you know, divide by 100 and then add a one. Add so a one. One third, and, you know, in my mind, I, I'm always skipping steps, but, you know, you, you stick a decimal after the ones place. So 136 divided by 100 is 1.36, and you add one. It gives you 2.36. So, I mean, 136 is 2.36. Plus 150 is 2.5. Plus 300 is just plus, you know, or four. What about 50 to one? What about 100 to one? 50 to one is just 50 to one is 51. 100 to one is 101. <laughs> you know, it's, it's why it's why if you it's you do switch and any any if anybody has any offshores, if you switch to decimal odds, it, it does start looking funny when you do look at like outright prices for places. Because, you know, a lot of books do center around, uh, you know, round numbers when they get into some of these long shots. So you'll see a bunch of tennis players or golfers at like 101, <laughs> 151, 201. You know, it's all like darts. Sure. But uh, yeah, every day, <laughs> it's, like, it's like darts, 501. <laughs> yep. So anyway, yeah, it, it is super easy with the plus side. The minus side is a little trickier. And while mm. a lot of the let's say common ones that are near you know near break even a lot of people just have those memorized because they use them so much minus 110 is minus or 1.909 minus 120 is 1.833333 well before we get to the converting the minuses let's talk let's stay on the plus yeah it's not it's not the the same it's a whole different whole different basket so you you let the genie out of the bottle earlier we got the break-even probability when we were talking about minus one ten by by taking the reciprocal of our decimal. Yes. So what's our plus one thirty six? Two point three six. Yes. What's the what's the reciprocal of that? One over two point three six. Easy as can be to do it on your calculator on your phone. Do not need uh, heavy duty computational software to get this answer. No. Forty-two point three seven. So forty-two point three seven. So, and that's why we, you know, we said this before we recorded. We don't want to turn this into a lecture saying, "Hey, you need no. to start using decimal odds now." But basically, everything that you're going to want to do, it's this, it's a step, like it's an in-between step that you'll have to do first. You yeah. can't take minus one ten. And say, give me the break-even odds. You have to take minus one ten, convert it to decimal <laughs> odds, and then you can get the break-even odds on it. Every yeah. it's it's always an in-between step. That's why <laughs> a lot of what I do, especially when I'm working in spreadsheets, is working in decimal odds to begin with because it's sure. just it's one less step. So, if I have this baseball underdog, and the market is saying that the break-even probability is 42.36%. percent And I create some way of pricing this game where I'm looking at, you know, my stats that I downloaded from Fangraph and, you know, the I have the, you know, pitcher and bullpen all weighted the way that I like because I looked at, you know, some some results from last year and I have it all priced out and I get 41% chance that the dog wins. Do I have an edge? Nope. And that's, mm. that's, that's the nice part. You can, you finally have something to compare against. You can take 
what the line is implying. And I mean, we won't even get into the fact that that is usually in a liquid market, pretty efficient long-term. So, I mean, it, it's not something you should scoff at like, Oh, you know, I have like a 40% edge on this number. Those, those probably, <laughs> but uh, in that, yeah, maybe that's a little good point. I kind of stumbled onto too. If your edge is so wildly different, like if it's, if it says plus one thirty six, and you're, you're saying it's, it has like a 90% chance of happening. You might want to re, you know, rejigger things. We'll cover regressing to the market in, uh, yeah. in betting math 102. 102. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, that's, a, that's a good call. But yeah, the um, the break-even probability compared to whatever you make a win percentage for a game is step one in evaluating if do you have an edge. Mm-hmm. Step two, obviously, you, know, you think of, okay, well, I do have an edge. How much do I want to bet? We'll get to that in a second. But uh, that's a pretty straightforward one, two, three basics of basics of uh, of betting math, and it gets a little more complicated for favorites. If you have a minus, yeah. some of them are easy, some of them are hard. Um, but uh, minus, uh, let's you know, you get minus one fifty. How are we getting to our decimal? We are just gonna take one hundred. And I mean, this is how I do it. I'm sure there's, a, well, no, there's one way. No, this is, there's yeah. one way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I've seen, yeah. I've seen people make this more complicated than it has to be. Oh, sure. Uh, so what, but if what you want to do an Excel, if you want to do an Excel equation, you go one plus, uh, in parentheses, in parentheses, 100 minus, 100, divided, minus 100 divided by the price. Yep. Without the, so that your negatives cancel out. Yes. Um, but yeah, hundred over your price with the gives you you know some number smaller than one it'll two it gives when you small when you, some, add, when you it, add your number when you it'll, add your oh, sorry, one yeah. number it, it, yeah it's gonna be some number smaller than one though because when you add a one to it it's yes. gonna be some number that's smaller than two and greater than one in fact any favorite ever any any favorite ever there is not it is not possible to have a favorite that is uh has a smaller price than one point oh 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 one or a higher price than one point nine 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 nine. That's a good call. Yeah, they all are in between and that's what that's what goofs with people because it's maybe harder to look at numbers and decide like what a big difference it is, especially when you are used to American odds. You know, the the difference between minus two hundred like minus 200 is 1.5 in decimal odds yes and then and then you get to minus 1000 is you know what 1.1 yeah or 1.09 yeah. yeah yeah so here so the um so the same concepts apply you convert this to decimal decimal uh you add you know all of, you're always adding one uh and uh and then you take the reciprocal and you're getting your break-even probability for your favorite and, you know, you get to the point where you start to be able to you, know, you do this enough times, you'll start to be able to figure out what your break-even probabilities are for your common American odds. Uh, and then same on, you know, same for, you know, for dogs. Like if you see 50 to one in the futures market, right? What's the like, what, what's the break-even probability? How often does it have to happen to, to have value? I mean, you just go one divided by 51. <laughs> yeah, it's it's 1.9%. <laughs> About two percent. 
Roughly yeah. 2%. And yeah. you, I mean, you can start thinking about things like that too when you are looking at bigger numbers like that. Like yeah. roughly 100, 100 fits or 50 fits into 100 twice. So roughly 2%. Like you can mm-hmm. start, you can start roughing things like that as well. But you know, and everything we're doing, I'm not sitting. I, I do, I do sit here with a calculator a lot doing it. But 99% of it is just in my spreadsheets. Like you know, you don't have to memorize. Well, you will eventually anyway. But it's not like I'm sitting here punching in numbers into a formula. It's usually just already built into a cell. Like I have yeah. cells that already translate everything for you, which is which is the way to do it. Don't don't mm. hurt yourself too hard. Don't don't hurt your brains. Yeah. That's so I try. Uh, the uh, the Chiefs price for the Super Bowl next year at Pinnacle right now, low margin what, book. What do we got? Plus plus six nineteen. So the market uh, says seven break even probability fourteen percent. That gives you something to then figure out. Uh, you figure out if you want to take uh, take a little action on uh, the Chiefs. Although it's so far away, I can't imagine you would want to let, lock up that bankroll. But uh, that and that almost leads. That's a kind of a nice little segue, isn't it? <laughs> because let's say you start. Uh, let's say you start maybe thinking about how you would decide if fourteen percent is a good price for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. What would you need to figure out? You'd need to figure out, you know, everybody's chance to win the Super Bowl almost. Maybe yeah. there's a, you know maybe there's a bunch of teams that you would give zero chance like and I think the market you know, will never have zero for any team no but, no no but as can't. a better there are some teams that I think have zero chance for sure and yeah it's your, it's your numbers you can put zero you can do whatever the fuck you want it's your numbers fine I'm I'm gonna put zero <laughs> but let's say you start doing that and you I mean naturally what would you if you gave all 32 teams a probability to win what would you want those numbers to add up to. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. All right. Herein, herein lies the rub. If we take every single price for every single team to win the Super Bowl and we convert them all into decimal odds and we take the reciprocals and we get the percentage that the book is implying that their chance is to win the Super Bowl and we add them all up, what do you think we're going to get? It's got to be over a hundred. Otherwise, they wouldn't be making these odds. It's going to be like 140, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Um, and this is a concept that uh, is pretty commonly th- thought of or talked about as the hold percentage. And in a standard, uh, you know, a standard two-way market that's minus 110 on either side, you pretty well know what the hold percentage is. Yeah. 52.3% break-even probability on either side. Add them together, you get about 104. Point what's the decimal 104 point what percent seven 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 so the book has the the margin that they are holding is seven point or four point seven seven percent on a two-way market line minus 110 then you add up all the futures and sure enough because they have to actually put a break-even probability on some of these long shots you're getting up to like 140. Yeah. Technically, and and almost certainly, this is not a hard and fast rule, but I've noticed that it's pretty pretty common. The more options there are, the higher the hold percentage. A four-way market for a division odds is going to have less than 40% hold. 
a 32-way option for Super Bowl odds, it's going to have, you know, 20, 20 to 40%, depending on the book. Yeah. A 500 way option for MVP. <laughs> that could have 80%. I've seen some hold percentages in some of these exotic futures markets where there are, uh, you know, more than uh, a handful of possibilities. You add them up, they starts to get big. Your exact Super Bowl matchup. I dare, I dare you to calculate the whole percentage in your exact Super Bowl matchup market. That one will <laughs> spin your head. And this is where, this is where you do have to sit and think about this sometimes because there is such an enormous hold in these markets. Not to say that they're unbettable, but that's why that's why you find numbers that you think are good often in futures because they don't have to be quite as crisp. There's such a big hold. You see things like, oh, that was nice of the book. I believe it was maybe Andrew Luck MVP bets. They refunded them all to people. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, that was really cool. Wow. I mean, like, yeah, they can. Like, we just got to explain why. There's such an enormous hold on that market. Yeah. That they, could, they could refund bets on like 10 guys that, and yeah, exactly. come out ahead. Yeah, that dinged their hold percentage from 141 to 139. <laughs> so not a big deal. Yeah, um, they're gonna be fine. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no. The, this is the hold percentage in general is something you should always calculate. You should always think about because it makes it tougher to beat that market. And like, if you think about like, and in fact, we saw this happening in real time as people were really entering the MVP race last August. Like, a lot of times a book will take action from a better who they respect on a given player at longer odds and they'll just move that number down. They may or may not reapportion all of the other numbers higher, right? And so you're just kind of artificially increasing your hold percentage until at some point they close the market altogether and they just kind of rebalance everything out to whatever they want their hold percentage to be for future bets and, and rehang the market. Right? Like that, that's pretty common. Um, but it's, you know, it's an exercise you should go through if nothing else, just so that you kind of, you know, get the feel of, of this whole percentage concept and, and how you would go about calculating it. Cause you ought to know, um, the, I guess the other thing that I wanted to bring up real quick is, you know, what happens if, you know, some, some, some terrible political deal gets made in some, one of these burgeoning States and there's only one operator and they decide, eh. Whatever people are so thirsty to bet, we'll just uh, we'll take minus one fifteen on either side. Yeah, that would be bad. It's kind of <laughs> happening. I mean, this is you think about it, like you know, we talked about it right away. Fifty two point three eight. It's in, let's say industry standard because you know we're we're going to talk right now about worse odds as far as you know if you do get into the minus one fifteens, which is one point eight seven for those at home, but. You know, you, you talk about that. You have it the other way too. Like there well, are. I was going to go there next. Yeah, there, are, there, <laughs> yeah. are, there are books that have better odds. So, so you know, you say you have to break even. You have to win. If if every bet you ever made was minus one ten, which when you're betting spread bets in the NFL or something like that, a lot of them are going to be. You have to win fifty two point three eight. You know, and people might look at that and be like, "Oh, it's just minus fifteen. It's just five extra bucks in my bet." But it takes it from 52.38 to 53.4, almost a full percentage higher that you have to beat now. And it's, yeah. I mean, this stuff is going to matter over the course of a, of a, of a season of a betting career. Like if you, if you're 
perfectly fine betting into minus 15s, minus 20s, shit's going to be a lot harder. Like you, you should yeah. be looking to go the other way. Yeah. If you made 100 bets in the NFL season and you made like five or 10 units and you go and just universally up your fig from minus 110 to minus 115, poof. Yeah. It's gone. It gone. And the other side of this absolutely holds true, which is there are markets out there that will take a lower VIG, that will take a smaller cut, that ha- will operate on, with a thinner margin. Yeah, I I, it's almost the same. It's it's almost a full. If you go from minus one ten and you can bet into minus one hundred fives, there are some operators that use that for certain sports. You're at fifty one point two. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, you take a full 100-game sample set, you have to win a full game less to break even. Or every, you know, one more game is full profit. Let's say you had a winning winning record. One extra game is completely profit rather than just covering the fig of a bunch of other bets. Mm-hmm. It's it's monumental over a, you know, if you do turn out to be like a volume better where you're making thousands of bets, I'm looking at, I should figure out my average odds. Like I, I mashed all my spreadsheets together and over the past couple of years, anything I've tracked, I've laid down 924 full unit bets. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I mean, that makes, that's a huge difference going from five <laughs> minus one five to minus one ten. So huge. The whole, the whole percentage, you know, like I said, it just knowing these numbers, it's, it's not something you have to figure in your head. Like you don't need to know. I got to win 51.2% of my bets at minus 105. I think the main takeaway is here just to know the math, to know you're getting, you're getting jobbed. If you are betting into 15s and 20s. And then to also know that markets that have, I mean, even soccer and hockey betters, guys. Like I, I would love to go break down some of these three-way markets. I really doubt you're going to be, I mean, you'll be close. I think there are books that are plenty good about that. But yeah, if, you're right, though. If you get into some of these maybe less reputable books or less more public-facing books, when you're betting into a three-way market where you have win-loss tie, like hockey or soccer, you're going to see a bigger hold just because, like like you said, with MVP, Super Bowl, anything like that, it's just uh, there's more choices in the market. They're going to have a little extra hold to go along with it. Mm, yeah. So, on the back of this, uh, I have, I will forever advocate this. If you're relatively new to this, if you want to do some small things that are easy to do to improve your performance, betting into, uh, you know, lower margin is huge. You can find reduced juice. You can find, you know, outs with low vague with. Uh, you know, with, uh, you know, na- narrow, narrower margins, one minus one of five lines on either side, two cent lines in baseball exist. Like they, they're out there. Uh, the trade-off is uh, what? How can, a, how can, how can a market making book like Pinnacle advertise the, the lowest margin around and operate? Like what's the trade-off? I mean, they're they're taking information using it. Like, <laughs> no, no, and volume as well. And volume. Like, yeah, they're taking bigger bets. They are crafting a sharper line, uh, and you know because of that, they are willing to take a smaller piece of the pie 
recognizing that they're going to have uh, the sharpest line around. Is that, I mean, is that a fair way to kind of qualify that type of a model? Like when you hear people talk about like a pinnacle model, right? Like, is, is that a fair way to qualify it? Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone will ever be able to do it again. <laughs> I mean, that's a, maybe a conversation for a different day, but it definitely, I don't, I don't think somebody's going to be able to replicate that and just, it's so hard to get something like that off the ground. Well, you see what Circa's doing. Yeah. Oh, Circa's like offer, Circa's offered, Circa offered uh, betting odds in the Daytona 500. That was like, what, 50, 40 drivers? Did you see this? I guess I didn't. I don't follow racing, dude. That's They had a 6% hold across 40 options for the That's Daytona 500. That is a really good. Uh, and, you know, they're going to presumably have the best price in town, whoever you want to bet for the Daytona 500. And depending on how they kind of profile their customer base and, you know, maybe they need a couple of seasons to really get the information that they need to be, you know, be this type of marketplace. But, hey, they're working on it. Hats off to them uh, because uh, there's not a lot of other variety across the different bookmakers that are available in Las Vegas. Um so I thought that was pretty cool that they were uh, only holding 6% on the Daytona 500. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a specific kind of role for market-making books uh, who are willing to take the lowest margin in exchange for the sharpest information. Because any bet made depending on how you well you know your customers depending on how well, you know how the you know detailed and un- detailed understanding you have in terms of a profile uh, any bet made is information that can inform how you should shape your lines and you know places like pinnacle places like chris places you know presumably like oh actually like circa like we saw for college football <laughs> opening you know putting up the first available lines like this is this is and you know it's, you sacrifice some price discovery uh, for the uh, you know f- for the information you get, uh, which helps you uh, you know better shape your numbers. And uh, there's an advantage to be had from a betting standpoint if you are you know better who has uh, an edge that's you know slightly different than the you know the market makers who originally bet into these numbers in the first place. Um, so, you know, just keep keeping in mind that the price you, you know, the price you pay for any given bet, uh, is massively important in the long run. Um, you know, you don't, you know, Andy, you just called out, you had a thousand bets, basically. Like there are some people who make a thousand bets and they're not a hundred percent convinced one way or another that they have an edge yet. <laughs> right. And, yeah. <laughs> and like, that's kind of you know, enough of a sample size to where you feel like you have beaten variance potentially one way or another. <laughs> and, but, and we're saying that, yes, once you get there, you know, now you've made enough bets that uh, the price that you, you know, the margin you've bet into matters an enormous amount. So this is kind of, you know, this is kind of pretty important, basic one-on-one stuff that you need to, uh, to think about as you really start to get into this. With that said, um, calculate hold percentages, calculate margins, find the best prices. All of this stuff is important. Um, did you have any other thoughts on price before we get into a little bit trickier topic? 
No, I think just, you know, the, the, while it's good to know the math behind hold percentage, like just it's not something that's going to come up a ton. Just know what you're getting into. No, understand the math behind it. If that, I think that's the important part. I guess there's one other thought that you just made me think of then, um, especially applied to football. Buying and selling points. We did a whole podcast on this. Yeah, I think. Like, how do you know that. if you're if what's being asked of you to buy or sell a given point? How do you know if that's a fair price? Well, you absolutely have to go through this exact process. Yes. You have to look at break-even percentages and for the each difference. In the yes. Yeah. Yeah. What is the difference between this price and this price in terms of break-even probability? Fifty-two point three percent versus fifty-four percent. You know, is that does that one and a half percent that I'm that I'm adding in terms of break-even probability there? Like, can I be expected to recapture that in the long run? And I think that's what people what gets lost in the uh, the whole conversation about buying points is most people that are buying points just maybe aren't understanding the math. Where you know, if, if you do get up to let's say minus one. I mean, what are what are they charging nowadays? I don't even know because I don't. I, I don't, don't even know either. <laughs> I mean, let's just say you're, buy, you're betting a minus Super Bowl one. last year. I'll never forget they were charging like twenty five cents to go from two and a half to three. Yeah, for I the mean, Rams, minus one thirties. We'll go with minus one thirty because it's one one point seven six nine. But I mean, you go from minus one ten, you're betting the Chiefs minus three or whatever, or two. You're betting minus three and a half. You want to go down to three. You want to buy your way down to minus three, and they charge you twenty cents because I think that's pretty. That's actually probably pretty standard. It might be even more. You were you're saying, oh, you know, I've got it's it's a safe you know a safety net. It's going to come into play. Chiefs win by eighteen, or you know, Chiefs lose outright, or it didn't even come into play. That's your most common. I mean, that's what's going to happen most of the time. It's either not going to come into play, or it's not going to matter and you're going to lose extra juice. So at that point, you know, every time you buy that point, anytime, you don't have to break even at 52.38. You have to break even at 56.5%. That, <laughs> that 4% difference, that's massive. And that's why buying points just is never going to work out because the price is too much. If, if it were only a small, if it were a much smaller price, you know, if they only charge you six, seven cents for that, that buy, I think, honestly, I'd have to re, re look at that math. We did it once. Like, there is a price where it's okay to buy to the three or the seven, but it's just not offered. It's not something a book would ever offer because they know too. They know exactly what they're doing. So, uh, yeah, when you do pay 20 cents for buying, just know that you're, you're raising your break even percentage by 4%. And over a long term, it's not going to come into play often enough for you to for you to worry about that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, but you can look at if you can look at a specific subset of data and you can make that evaluation for yourself. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's an accepted, you can, you know, if once you get your hands on a database of uh, odds and results, have at it, you know, look at your little subset of, you know, like that, you know, you know, games that fit this criteria. Look at how, how often, uh, you have a push on three and convert that to uh, what that price should be in terms of cents. And you'll know. Uh, and that's all doable if you kind of get the basics down. So you can do it. 
A little trickier pivot, same kind of philosophy, same kind of topic. Taking out the VIG. Is that 101 or are we going to 102 for that? It's 101, I think, a little bit. Then I just want to talk. Maybe we don't have to talk about exactly how to do it, but just a couple of concepts around it. Well, it it goes completely back. The, the, The core concept here is that if you have two independent events, a team wins or a team loses, let's assume it's a sport with no ties. Those are two independent events, and the probability of each should equal 100. 100%. 100%. There, there, is no, there is no third option. It must equal 100. So if you want to use the book's percentages, it's not going to happen. It's just like we said, that's going to add up to 140 when we're in the MVP market. Whereas <laughs> you know, those MVPs, let's say field was one of the options. One of those things, one of those 50 options has to happen. So it should, in, in reality, in math reality, add up to 100. It will not. So you will need to do some conversions to actually figure out the VIG free calculation of the true percentage of implied probabilities for the books. And I mean, really, I don't know if we even need to get into the formula. It's something we can post because it's actually pretty easy, but basically you take the two percentages, you add them up, you get to that 104, 105%, wherever you're at on pretty standard VIG. And then you just divide those out by that. And you will you do yeah. that for both both sides. You have to do it. Let's just say Chiefs Vikings. You have to do it for the Chiefs money line, the Vikings money line. You divide them out by that hundred and four percent, and it'll it'll drop you down to two numbers, which will add up to a hundred. And that is the true removed fig implied probability that you're getting. Yeah, and that's right. that's a that's a. You know, it's not what you're betting into because you are paying the fig. But if you want to do some comparisons on what your probabilities were and what you bet and then what the number closed at, the the VIG free estimation is probably what you should be looking at. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as like you like, I don't totally I don't disagree, obviously, with your breakdown there. And for sure, if it's a you know, if it's a 50 50 type of a game then yeah, the VIG is probably fairly balanced between the two sides. Uh, there are some exceptions. Um, for sure, there is some long shot bias, uh, wherein because of the popularity of people kind of going for the big score, going for the lotto ticket hit, um, they will put more VIG in. Proportionality-wise, they will put more in on the long shots than they will on the favorites. Or at least on the longer on the bottom, the bottom, the tail of the market, as opposed to the top of the market. If you're talking about futures, it's like, um, and this is another thing. Boy, this might get blogged about. It's annoying when you do see stuff like this, like, oh, my, Mitch Trubisky is the leader with the most MVP tickets, at you know, and he's his odds are twenty to one. I mean, people bet that at two hundred to one, and it's the same thing. <laughs> like you know, those people did not believe Mitch Trubisky has. You know, uh, I mean, what is what is twenty to one imply? You know, five percent chance of MVP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that, tough. That's, that's a tough sell. That's, that's a tough sell. It is a tough sell. <laughs> but I think you know you could make a case that Mitch Trubisky had more than a point five percent chance 
Yeah, for you sure. Know, in, in, He's in, a starting quarterback in the NFL. He yeah. is a starting quarterback for a team that went to the playoffs, won a bunch of games. The defense showed out. And, you know, if he did improve on a good team that won the division, went to the playoffs, holding a ticket with an implied probability of like 0.5% is pretty good. So, yeah, that's that's what you'll see in markets like that where, you know, those numbers are maybe a little bit off. But, again, the book is fine. They'll be fine. Don't worry about them. They've got their <laughs> whole percentage to hang out on. Yeah. So the um, there is, you know, the, just kind of be aware there is some long shot bias when you're trying to remove the thing. Um, but, and just kind of to put a final period on this like concept, just think of any price you see reflects a break-even probability. That break-even probability has two components, the impl- true implied win probability and, uh, and the big. And you can use all of those tools to your advantage to better understand the market and to specifically evaluate your edge. Yeah, I get it. I like it. You've sold me. So what's an edge? An edge is what's something you've sussed out. However you decide to do it, whether you're scratching things on a piece of paper or you've taken a bunch of college courses and are a master of Python R or some other coding language and you have, you know, gathered up all these stats and run a bunch of numbers and weighted things and you come out with a you come up with what you think is going to happen in again like a, a series of independent events. You've got a you've got a football game. Let's let's do soccer. Let's do a three way where you know you, you have a win, lose and tie. And you you make you know you make your numbers for it. And your edge is if you compare that against the book's numbers. Once you've converted everything to the, the win probability, if your win probability on anything is higher, that's your edge. Yeah. A um, couple of oh, ways well. to get an edge, a couple of ways to get a win probability for a game. Yes. You got any, you, you got any general thoughts on this? I'm you got any co- kind of the, mo- you don't have to tell me how do you do yours. I, I just mean like uh, stuff, stuff you've heard. I think stuff you've heard. Over. I think it might go 0 and 2 tonight anyway. So maybe I should. Oh, no. Interest. Your dog that was winning is, is losing? Well, that's what they do. They're underdogs. They're trying. They're, they're trying damn hard. They're going to be fine. Fordham, oh. on the other hand, is not looking great. <laughs> Davidson's hit their threes tonight. But uh, well, um, um, it depends what you're betting. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, there's different, you know, like we talk about, we talk about NFL a lot. NFL is, for the most part, spread betting. Or totals you can get into totals too and that's a lot of fun but you know there's different sports where you do a lot of money line betting baseball hockey are good examples where often you are betting the money line on a on a team to win the game or in hockey win the game win the game in regulation what have you and that's where maybe that's even an easier example to explain it because money lines are so much easier with the comparing oh the, for sure Comparing the prices, that is like yeah, for sure. You know, for let's sure. just say you got Canucks versus Flames, and the book is going to give you prices. You punch those in your spreadsheet, or if you've scraped them, however you want to do it, you take a look at what the book's implied odds are, and you compare it against yours. After yeah. you've, you've you take your stats, you take your numbers, and you you crunch it however you see fit, and come up with what you think the odds are of the events of that game, whether it's yeah. 
the odds of six or more goals being scored, the odds of I don't know if we want to get into push probabilities. Nah, don't worry about that. Uh, not, the, not we today. About that we, already, we already talked about that. Um, but okay, what? let's go. Let's, push probabilities? Yeah, we talked about that in terms of uh, NFL. Like, if you, you you go through some subset of data and you look at how often you know the the expected result would have got given you a push, you can you can calculate push probabilities yourself yeah. with some subset of data, and you ought to. Um, but yeah, if you want to get to a winning percentage for a team, uh, some stuff that you should consider, some stuff you can look up uh, for sure. The it, what's the famous example for baseball, like the Bill James's Pythagorean expectation. Oh, yeah. That one's a good one. Uh, give, I mean, obviously, this you're not going to beat the market <laughs> with that right now on its own. Um, but if you want to just go through this exercise for practice and get a feel for, feel for it, give it a whirl. Lots of baseball, you know, lots of baseball data out there to test against. Um, the uh, you can do a, a linear regression model. You can regress a model that converts uh, a number of factors to a win win probability or just a general strength number for a team uh, and use, you know, the two, two strength numbers for a team as a way to uh, convert to win probability. That's absolutely a viable methodology. Um, you can do simulations. You can legitimately set up a structure where you are simulating the out, you know, the events of, uh, of a, of a specific um, contest uh, giving, you know, giving probability of certain events happening on any given, uh, you know, given, you know, system, uh, simulate the outcome and see what, uh, do it a thousand times and see how often team a wins versus team B. Like these are all, comp- these are all ways people in this space, uh, you know, have kind of figured out perturba- perturbations around this, these concepts to get win probability themselves. And uh, from that, you can calculate the distance between your probability calculated and what the market says to uh, to determine if you have an edge, and if you you know if so, how big is your edge? This is uh, absolutely um, you know kind of one on one what you should go through as you're starting to learn about this. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. And it's going to vary from sport to sport, but I think definitely you kind of hit on some main ways that people do it and some good starting points. Hell, go work backwards. Figure out what the big free win probabilities are, implied probabilities are for certain markets over the course of a week and figure out how you get those numbers, right? If you can figure out why the, what the market uh, is using in terms of, you know, waiting, um, uh, you know what they're using in terms of of quantifiable metrics that represent team performance. Then you can forward project with a couple adjustments here or there. For sure, you can. And the and similarly the um, the you know the, I guess we talked about this when we did our hoops modeling podcast last year. Uh, we've talked about this for sure as it relates to NFL and, and power numbers and things like that. Um, but you know, the, you unequivocally, you will become a better handicapper if you use the market to your advantage this way. Yeah. They tell you a ton. unequivocally. It's telling you a ton. You look at a market price, you look at a closing price at a market making book like pinnacle or the like you are looking at, a correctly weighted average 
of all of the opinions that matter on that particular contest. Yeah, look at closing lines from the game before, the week before, or whatever. You're yeah. going to learn a lot more about the market than anything stats can tell you. Yeah, figure out, yeah, test, build a model that give, that gets you to those prices from last week, and then look at it across the entire sport, make your adjustments as you see, see appropriate, and project them forward for a week. See how well you do. See if you can, you know, see if you're ahead or behind the market in terms of uh, making dynamic changes to given teams, good or bad. Um, that absolutely, all of this is worthwhile, uh, you know, worthwhile um, ways to improve your handicapping this off season, or just if you're going to get into, you know, betting other sports besides football. <laughs> so uh, easier to do this, best, by the way, in other sports besides football. It really is. <laughs> Football's so hard, dude. You know how much time I spend on football? I still have to bet openers on Sundays to get good numbers just to grind like 10 units a year. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. More than that. I was telling that to somebody. I said, you know, they asked me, like, what's your best sport? I'm like, well, like football, probably. Like, I I do pretty well at football, but I'm never going to, there's just not enough games. Said if there was a thousand NFL games a year, I think I could do some damage. But you know, I only make like a hundred bets all year. It's going to take ten years of NFL betting to have a decent sample. <laughs> yeah, I guess the alternative is you can get into derivative markets and yeah, props and things like that. But then it becomes a job. Um, yeah, quit my job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's pivot to kind of the last couple of topics here that are the kind of the cherry on top of 101 heading into 102 is that fair to say yeah let's give an overview of these and maybe get deeper into them on another podcast okay have you ever applied kelly criterion i have it was an absolute disaster (laughs) so the kelly criterion (laughs) is just a way to stake It'll, it's a calculation to figure out how much you should wager on a bet, and it's based on your edge. Predicated it's, on the edge being correct. Predicated <laughs> on the edge being correct, and that's why it was a disaster. <laughs> I am in no way, shape, or form trying to disparage the Kelly Criterion. It is. Yeah. It is. I believe in the math. I've read. I've read numerous articles. Yeah. That have convinced me so. But yeah, if you don't have an edge, a staking plan might make things worse because you might be so far off on some things. And to be fair, this was a goofy, this was the first model I ever built. It was for the EPL. It was years ago. It was a spreadsheet that took numerous minutes to open because I had hundreds of thousands of lines. <laughs> that was the only way I could figure out how to, uh, how to simulate games. I was simulating yeah. a game a hundred, sure. like a hundred thousand times. It was, it was, oh, dude, most, bulky spreadsheet it was cool every everyone who has got the chops for this who gets into the math of this gets to the point where they try to figure out how to simulate something in excel was, and i don't think it can be done correctly or no, or, was, or no. efficiently at all no, it the, is the just basis, way too fucking yeah, hard the people who made it this long who like understand enough about any of it basically it was uh, poisson with goals scored like it was it was epl totals using a poisson distribution Kelly criterion for the for the wagering a lot of entering by hand 
and you know, trying to simulate stuffing using like the random number generator. Yeah. And, I mean, it was, it was a mess, but either way, <laughs> I, I digress. I regress. It is. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to help you maximize your edges. Yeah. When, if you actually know, I have an edge. I believe in my edge. I think it's, I think I can accurately, accurately forecast my edge going forward on games. You can use it to figure out how much you should be wagering on each game. And mm. That's uh, yeah, we'll get, we can get deeper into the pros and cons. And I think sure. it's, it's a fair topic to talk about both sides of. Cause it's aspirational people. in my opinion. If you're into this and you're listening to this and you've gotten to this point in the podcast and you're not like yawn, get, you know, this is boring. I know all of this, uh, you know, don't get involved with the Kelly criterion in a way that you think not you yet. know you've not yet. <laughs> like I use it as aspirational. Um, and in specifically, uh, and I, cause I agree with all your points. Like it is the correct and absolute true, you know, that it is the math's honest truth of how you, you know, how you maximize your profit when you have an edge and you're dealing with random, you know, randomness. Um, but the, um, <clears throat> but for sure, you know, with, you know, if you, again, if you flip the coin, correctly 60 percent of the time and over 100 bets like don't go kelly bet next year in the nfl just don't <laughs> so yeah um, and that, that actually i think that makes for a good uh boy segue. we might have um, i'm just saying we might have to have our friend matt back on to oh yeah i would like to should dive we, into the theory of everything no no we'll have we'll have yeah, a, we'll the, have the theory of everything article he wrote theory. yes exactly yeah. we'll, we'll do a whole we'll do a whole theory of everything pod because there are specific aspects of that that i want to explore Love deeper. i think i think he was i think he was uh he was he was on the verge of a couple of key, key breakthroughs there that need a little more exploring um anyway one way to tell if you do have an inch Closing line value. Yeah. Again, let's not let's not go. We've we've got a whole one on this. We might do a whole another one. No, I know, but I just but in in the terms of math and in terms of basics, like these are the things you absolutely need to go dig into. You're right. right. So we can explain it math wise pretty clearly, pretty straightforward. Uh, And for sure, like if you want to know if you have an edge or not, if your edge is real, if you you if you if you if you have uh, bet into you know 500 NBA games this season. Uh, calculate your closing line value. Is it positive? Does the market agree with you? Are you making choices based on in, in a way that uh, the pe- the market makers who are betting after you potentially limit betting after you uh, are in agreement? And if that's the case, then yeah, your edge is likely real. And I don't think this is disputable. I think closing line value and indicating a true positive edge are highly you know perfectly correlated not perfectly correlated but certainly highly correlated um and so calculate your closing line value go back to the basics of this pod figure out the price you whatever you bet money line point spread total whatever you bet when you bet it convert that price that you paid to at least a break-even probability better even a true win probability Wait until the market closes. Go to a market-making book with the low margin. Look at what that same bet price was at the close. Same kind of concept as you bought Apple at 111. It closed at 130. Good job. You made blank. You bet Chiefs minus three at 
plus 105. It closed, it closed at minus 120. Convert those to true win probabilities. Take the difference. And that is the win probability that you captured by being ahead of the market. That is your closing line value. And if it's bigger than the VIG, congratulations. You're on your way. <laughs> You're on your way. <laughs> uh, but even more so, you know, you, you know, and again, you know, you do you, you I think it is fair and important to normalize it to the likelihood of the event. Personally, I divide it by uh, how likely it the outcome is to happen anyway because that's more of an indication of how much value you've actually gotten do you do that as well yeah and i mean you should be using in the in the long run you should be using the no vig at the end to calculate because while you're betting into a market with vig like the true implied probability of things happening in a real world situation can add up to 104 percent no but, which is maybe uh, that's there's a debate on that too, but <laughs> um, okay. So uh, yeah, I mean, basically it's just goes to say like, if you're, you know, I, I don't know, like 10% going from 80 to 90 is different than going from 10 to 20. That's really all that we're trying to say. Yeah. And for the most part, if most of your bets are around 50, 50 and you're get your, you're buying in at 50% and it's closing at 55, like that's great. Like, that's that is great like that is you know you you are uh you have figured out you know you have figured out the uh the appropriate way to uh to craft an edge in this market and uh you know you should take the next step um last point how do you calculate roi how do you calculate roi (laughs) you take the return and then you put it on the investment <laughs> right there in the name, right there in the name, bud. Uh, not that complicated, right? No, you take, take the amount you've risked. How much was risked? Dollars, units, whatever you're using to calculate it when you track. And boy, the whole basis of this, start tracking your stuff if you're not. Otherwise, otherwise all this was for Daunt and you should go back and try to get this hour back. But yes. <laughs> Take your, whatever your profit loss is, you know, and you, some people do it in dollars, some people do it in units and, you know, I'm, I'll pull up mine. You got 99 units, one over the last few years in the random things that I've tracked. You take it by the 924 units I've risked, you get a 10%, 10.72% ROI. I you love know, it. If you lost money, it'll be a negative ROI. If you made, you know, if you made one bet, at 10 to one and you want it, your ROI is going to be crazy. Go nuts. You know, it's uh, <laughs> basically the, you know, the percentage return on what you've risked. So this is, um, I've had this question. Maybe the, the one question I've had on ROI ever was, you know, you do need to, you do need to figure in pushes. Like you still, risk. you do, you You're do still, you still risk that money. That money was put out there and risked. Um, I don't have a problem with people wiping out canceled bets. So like, if it's canceled, like, if it's like, canceled, canceled, if the, if yeah, the, like if the tennis, event never was contested. Yeah, like, tennis is a good, I think that was where somebody asked. He's like, I wouldn't put that in my ROI. I'm like, I, I wouldn't. Like, no, that's just so no, like no. that, that match, that match never took place. The, the opponent pulled out before they, before the match even started. It was hours. 
that the money was never really at risk. Yeah, we agree. But, you know, in the case of a, a full game is played, you bet plus three, the game lands on three, but like Bills in the playoffs, that the money was still risked and that still needs to be figured into your ROI. Yeah. Okay. Which yeah, and it agree. only hurts it only hurts you half as bad as a loss. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's half win, half loss. That's a good point. Um, okay. Well, uh, yeah, ROI. Thanks for giving me the softball. ROI was the easy one. Yeah, next time in Math 102, tune in and we'll talk about Z-score, <laughs> which oh is gosh. interesting. Z-scores yeah, are great. I was worried you were we'll going to about when probability. you talked about the coin flip thing. Like, yeah, no, no. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into Z-scores. We'll get into probability distributions a little bit more, discrete distributions, normal distributions, regressing, things like that. We'll save that for another day. Um, hopefully, you guys found this entertaining. Hopefully, we weren't bores. Hopefully, we didn't make any egregious math mistakes all of those are possible <laughs> but yeah uh, i'm just gonna say we are not we are not professionals no i am not a doctor of math like our like our good friend eric uh, dr eric of pro football focus i do not have an extensive background in the electric world of actuarial, math. actuarial <laughs> sciences like our good friend, actuarial sciences like our good friend actually i believe it's the actuarial arts our good uh, friend uh, plus EV analytics. Like there are, there are better, better people to ask questions to bother them, but also hit us up if you have anything to. It's fun talking about this stuff. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That was good. I think we covered the important basics, and um, uh, that was uh, right at about an hour. So good job, well done. We will uh, get this up, and hopefully, you guys are okay with this being a day late, or uh, you can listen to Dollar it next month or next year or whatever. Doesn't really Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's the beauty of the Evergreen Podcast Series. All right, Andy. Talk to you tomorrow. We're gonna do an interview with a uh, with a retired bookmaker? Question mark. Question mark. (laughs) At his age. At his age. No, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait for tomorrow's pod. All right, talk to you then.